Welcome to Home Office. I'm Mark Legere. And I'm Trevor Nichols. Welcome back to the podcast, Trevor. Thank you so much, Mark. It's always a pleasure to be on mic with you and uh, representing Halifax on our Huddle podcast. Definitely. And uh, yes, for those of you who uh, are just tuning in for the first time, uh, Trevor is one of our two Halifax area reporters. And Derek Montague is also uh, based uh, with, with us there. And the, actually, the two of you live in Dartmouth, I should say, not Halifax. Right? Yeah, that's right. Dartmouth area, Mark. You, you cannot call us Halifax residents because we are repping Dartmouth 100%. We, uh, we love this town. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a big change from, from 30 years ago when I lived there because uh, people were, young people were still settling mainly in Halifax. And, uh, and the move to Dartmouth hadn't quite happened yet. Uh, but since the city is really starting to grow and... Uh, more people are living in, in the north end of Halifax and more people like you are living on the other side over in Dartmouth. That's right. I think if you had asked someone from the Halifax side 30 years ago about Dartmouth, they might have said, you know, likened it more like Mordor or something than a part of their own city. So <laughs> great to see the two sides of the city coming together here. Yeah, definitely. And thanks a lot for for joining us today, Trevor, because the reason we wanted to have uh, you on the show today is to talk about the whole notion of hero pay and our frontline workers, uh, because the recently they, the, the, the increases were rolled back. And I know that you were uh, covering demonstrations in Halifax. Yeah. So, uh, a group of demonstrators a couple of weeks ago gathered in front of, um, an Atlantic superstore here in downtown Halifax, sort of, sort of expressing their frustration with, with, Superstore, um, you know, Sobey's parent company, and a, a couple of the other major grocery chains' decision to to roll back the so-called hero pay for their employees. So, you know, when the pandemic first started, uh, uh, most of the grocery chains in Canada bumped their workers' wages up by about fifteen percent, uh, and then about twelve weeks after that decision, uh, simultaneously, all three of them basically rolled that hero pay rate back. Uh, and so, you know, there was a, a number of people who were quite upset. With that decision, uh, especially considering that um, both Loblaw, which is Atlantic Superstore's parent company, and Sobeys both posted uh, some pretty good profits for the first quarter of the year while they were paying their workers the hero pay. Right. And I mean, this is a, a longstanding issue because, you know, during the pandemic, uh, obviously, there was a decision to raise the pay of these frontline workers because we'd obviously broadened the notion of what frontline worker was during the pandemic. We traditionally think of them as healthcare workers, as police officers, uh, you know, people on, on the front on the front lines of, of, of serving people in, in a time of need. During the pandemic, we broadened that to include, you know, the people who have to be in those grocery stores and those other retail outlets to, you know, to serve the public, uh, Trevor. And, you know, as we both know, the rates of pay are really low in, in, in that sector. So you suddenly had all these people who deserve to be paid, being paid more for the work they were doing, not paid. Um, you know, for me, Trevor, this issue persists, even though, you know, it's been a couple of weeks now since that demonstration and we've kind of moved on in some ways, right? Like uh, people have returned to their, their regular wage levels. Uh, but really, in a lot of ways, this debate is more about just, you know, what people should be paid during a pandemic. It, it goes right to the heart of, conversations that we have about living wage and, and whether we should be paying these people higher wages all the time. 
Yeah, and and something that came up uh, quite a few times at the demonstration uh, late last month was the idea of uh, a living wage. And the Canadian Centre for for Policy Alternatives says that a living wage in downtown Halifax is $19 an hour. So even with the the hero pay bump, most of the uh, the frontline workers at grocery stores weren't even making a, a living wage. So then to to have that cut back back down to their pre hero pay levels is, is sort of an additional kind of kick in the pants in a lot of ways. Oh, no, absolutely. And, you know, and, and for, for me, when I was thinking about this issue, I thought, well, there's, you know, there's two ways that, you know, a couple ways we can kind of continue this conversation. Uh, there is that kind of discussion around the public pressure to raise wages across the board and not just talking about minimum wage, but talking about this, this concept that's out there now of, of the living wage that in fact, even our minimum wages aren't high enough. Uh, so, but where it led me to think, uh, Trevor, is is inevitably to Costco. I mean, Costco sat outside of this debate uh, in the last uh, few months because it was already paying wage levels that were, in fact, higher than, you know, the hero pay wages were. Um, so it got me to thinking, let's, you know, bring them in into this conversation around, around, the living wage and, and higher wages and have a chat about whether or not the rest of the industry should be able to get there. Uh, are you a Costco shopper yourself, Trevor? Yeah. And I, I am a Costco shopper, Mark. And I, I only signed up uh, for a membership uh, probably about six months ago after researching some of the exact stuff we're talking about right now. So I, I took a look at kind of the, the pay structures at Costco and the, and the what you would call like as the company ethic around compensation sort of compared that to what I was seeing at some of the other grocery chains. And kind of, it, it was what sort of pushed me over the edge to go and start shopping at Costco, which I hadn't really been interested in beforehand. Yeah, no. And I had, I had a similar experience as I started shopping at Costco, you know, I'm going to say around six or seven years ago and uh, actually, you know, have a chat about my own experience uh, as a Costco shopper. I, I made basically the same decision as you did years ago about deciding to shop there. And uh, I, we actually on today's show, we have uh, Derek Steck, uh, who is uh, an assistant professor in the faculty of management at Dalhousie and also a St. Johner. I'm going to claim him as St. Johner, but he's actually from uh, Manitoba West. But uh, I got to know Derek while he was a professor at uh, UNBSJ here in, in the business faculty. And you stole him away from us, Trevor. Halifax stealing another way, and stealing away another one of our bright lights. That's right, Mark. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to revel in it too much, but I'd say that's a, a tally point on the board for Halifax as best city in uh, in the Maritimes. Just one more feather in our cap here. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm going to be the gracious host of the podcast today, <laughs> Trevor, and uh, I'm going to I'm going to let you have your point. Uh huh. You know when you're beaten, Mark. You know when you're beaten. <laughs> Yeah, so but I, I decided to bring you know Derek in into the conversation today uh, because uh, I wanted to talk to him about Costco's business model and you know what it is about you know their business model and what it is about their company ethic and uh, that that allows them to pay higher wages than um, others that are in in the same or similar sector. I mean, obviously, a lot of these big box stores have different business models, so. You know, it isn't apples to apples all the time, uh, to, to use a produce analogy. Uh, Trevor, you have to forgive me. <laughs> but, um, but again, we can still draw some points and, and talk about whether, 
it's it is possible for you know the the, the rest of the industry to catch up to Costco. Uh, but I thought what a good, good opportunity to bring Derek in to talk about this. So um, why don't we go to my conversation with Derek, Trevor? Hi, Derek. Hi, Mark. So, Derek, tell me where are you right now? Uh, I am. I guess I'm in uh, Nova Scotia and Wallace, which is just outside Tatamagush. So I'm looking out at Fox Harbor at the moment in probably the best view I've had from an office uh, in a long time. It sounds uh, quiet, Derek, and I, I do happen to know that you're there with your, your family. Uh, where are they right now? They're at the beach. They are either at the beach or they're trying out some kayaks or trying to do something around the water. As it started off as kind of a gray morning, but it is cleared up and is increasingly looking like a lovely day. And I'm keeping you in, in front of your computer screen on, on this lovely day. Uh, yes, you are. But I'm sure that my absence from parental duties will be made up for much later in the day. So it's also... a uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing to fear there. And and it's quiet for me because I've actually made my way uh in from in, in from my cottage, which is my home office right now, uh for a little peace and quiet at, at my actual office uh in uptown well, St. John. And there is. It sort of sometimes makes that that peace and quiet. And I got some forgiveness from my from my kids who sort of sometimes think of work as sort of just looking at a screen, but they actually kind of have this idea that a podcast is something that might be of interest to them or that they've heard about or seen or they haven't really seen a podcast but they kind of get that so there were some I was allowed to do this uh they granted me permission and 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 wished me luck well before we dive into the the conversation uh on Costco I'm I'm curious to know because I you know I have my own patterns are, are you a Costco shopper uh, we are a Costco uh, shopper, not as much as many people. We probably don't get there on a monthly um, basis, but we do go to Costco and there are some things where I want to go to Costco specifically to get because I just know that the value for that purchase is just way better than what I'm going to get at the you know grocery store. I started going years ago and I resisted for a long time because I grouped in Costco with, uh, you know, a lot of other big box stores. I, you know, I shopped a lot at, you know, local small shops, which I, I know you do, you do as well. And, you know, but there are certain things you need to go to a big store for. And, uh, and, but I'd also, but I'd always, to me, Costco was the biggest of the big box stores. And then uh, a, a friend of mine uh, who works in, uh, it, it, it does a lot of social justice work, um, works with a lot of um, marginalized people trying to get them back into the workforce and, and, uh, and the homeless population here in, in New Brunswick. And, uh, he, you know, he kind of chastised me one day when I was talking about this because he, he kind of, he was the one who woke my mind for the first time on them because he said, well, you don't, you don't understand Mark. Like they actually, you know, pay better than most other other box stores, um, you know, retail grocery and, and otherwise. And, you know, she should take a, a second look at them um, because their, their pay scales are actually higher. Uh, people are pretty happy who work there. And, uh, you know, based on what he, he told me, I actually walked into one of the stores um, for the first time because, um, you know, I was at that, that period, Derek, and I know, you know, you've, you've been the same way where, you're trying to do as much small shopping as you can. And, 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 uh, so 
kind of resisted adding a new box store, <laughs> which I saw yep. Costco as. And uh, I don't know if you if you saw them the same way or or you know from the beginning did were they were they was it you know did you bring those politics I guess to shopping there or not on a personal well I I mean I think that I mean I'm not sure when they opened in in Saint Saint John um, and that has probably some degree of interaction with your. Uh, entrance way to it. So for me, growing up in Winnipeg, when Costco appeared, I was actually working in a small local grocery. So we did a lot of those, you know, grocery store stuff at a, a small retail place. But the Costco um, opened up in a location that was quite convenient to where we live. So it was instantly sort of in our family as a place where we got you know, big consumable um, items that were used lots, whereas a lot more of the family you know, day-to-day grocery purchases uh, were bought um, at a smaller store in a local sense. So always had that introduction from a convenience sense, but, and that was long before kind of the awareness of that they paid a bit better than other places and understanding of their business model um, and how they've done so well, but it just sort of fit quite naturally into that, allowing to get a lot of the big standard things you need to keep your household going plus a surprising variety of other things that you didn't really need, but were quite good. And then getting um, more of your day-to-day consumables um, at uh, more local and smaller places. Yeah. And and I know, you know, I know for me, my, my patterns, because of that, I'm almost entirely shifted over the last, you know, several years to the point where uh, most of my my grocery shopping now takes place at, you know, really small, um, you know, local places, you know, maybe 1200, 1500 square feet, uh, you know, mostly produce, you know, meat, uh, and vegetables and fruit. And then, you know, Costco has become the place where I get, you know, things in bulk or the larger items. And I actually find that I don't, uh, shop as much as a result in kind of that middle tier, uh, you know, the places like, um, like the Sobeys and, and the Loblaws stores and the superstores, um, I still do go to them, but um, but not as much as I, I used to because I find the really big and then the really small, you know, Costco and then small grocery, the, the places where I, I tend to go. You know, part of the reason I wanted to, to connect with you today is is because we've all we've obviously been following you know very closely uh, you know the stories around the hero pay bumps that happened at uh at the Loblaw stores at at the Sobe stores during the pandemic and and that idea that we wanted to be able to reward people that were doing frontline jobs of various kinds you know from the ones we normally associate with frontline which are the healthcare positions but now then we found ourselves in this situation during the pandemic where you know we were asking uh you know essentially grocery store employees became frontline and and so we saw those pay bumps that are now being scaled back um, as as we work our way out of this in you know in Atlantic Canada and the Maritimes at least, but it but it has created this heated debate about concepts of living wage and what people should get paid and and whether or not those bait pumps should actually survive the pandemic and just be what people get. It led me back to that those early days of being encouraged to go shop at Costco, and it kind of led me to think and led me to wonder. So you know, Costco is largely sat outside this this hero pay debate because it's, it's wages 
you know, sit, sit higher uh, on, you know, on an average, on an average hourly rate, the ceilings tend to be higher at Costco uh, for, for hourly pay and, and salary. And so it led me, Derek, to ask the question, why? <laughs> Which is why I brought you here <laughs> to talk today. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, they have a business model that has allowed them uh, to do that. And then underlying that, a philosophy that's also um, allowed them uh, to do that. I mean, I think that, you know, in the, the general sense of, of of Costco has been that, you know, if they average pay is $15 an hour and Sobeys is normally a couple of dollars less than that or Atlantic Superstore or most retail and what allows that um, to happen. And they've done some just amazing things at ensuring that customers get value for their money and um, that, you know, drive out costs from their system and those savings kind of get passed on sort of to the customer, but also in a way that everyone who's a part of um, the system, you know, benefits and share some of those benefits. So, I mean, Costco has a pretty simple mission, which is take care of its customers, uh, take care of its employees, respect suppliers, and don't break the law. And they've kind of, you know, done those things uh, really, really well in a way that allows people um, to feel comfortable going in there that are going to get good value and employees feel that they're uh, paid fairly. And that has has been great for them. Some of the, I guess, probably sort of the interesting things sort of within that that allows costs is just how efficient they operate. And that's the big difference probably between them and other retailers is the efficiency of their operations uh, compared to what, you know, other stores do in the kind of grocery business. And how does that look in terms of them, them being operating, being able to operate more efficiently? First thing is you pay a membership fee. So I think the CEO of Costco, and I don't know if it's the current one or last one, has gone and said like they would be happy with a 0% gross margin because it would mean no one could sell anything cheaper than them. And then they'd still make all of their money based on the membership fees. So I think when you look at their overall probability, half of it is dedicated towards the membership fee. And that has you know varied over the years, but uh, it makes a significant impact um, on the bottom line. Um and so they get money from, you know, customers every month before buying sort of something. Um, and that's a big uh, deal with it. The other thing they do is they've taken away choice from us. And we accept that. If you want ketchup or peanut butter, you've got one choice, maybe two choices. And then if you go into another big grocery store, you've got, you know, uh, five brands, uh, eight different size bottles, and that adds up to a lot of inventory, a lot of more people having to touch things. Um, so I think Costco runs around having 4,000 stock keeping units, so 4,000 different products. And a super center like Walmart's probably got over 200,000. And grocery stores, you know, 30,000. And so when you only have so few goods to manage inventory with, it means that you can operate very efficiently. And then if you go into Costco, it's a big warehouse. And so that stuff doesn't get on box. They just take the box, open it up, and you take it out. So there's less people touching those things. So that efficiency 
they've just driven out places where there can be cost uh, removed and that kind of makes it a better and better deal. Even something, if you think about, you know, the line it takes to check out and Costco has got big lines, but if you get 10 items at Costco and 10 items at, you know, a superstore, those 10 items at Costco are probably going to run you close to 150 bucks where you can get 10 items for, you know, $20 at a superstore or a Sobeys. And it takes the same amount of time to kind of scan those and get them out almost. But the value of that one transaction is way bigger at Costco. So they do a lot of, of you know, remarkable uh, things on that that allows them to kind of develop stronger uh, and deeper relationships with customers. And it makes me think too, to a certain degree, and I, you know, I'm thinking of a, a couple of points uh to go back to quickly around, you know, both membership and around, you know, supply of inventory. Um, Costco's, <laughs> they've, I, you know, I can speak personally, Derek, um, they've done a, a great job of, you know, retraining, uh, to a degree, retraining consumers too, right? So for example, with a lot of new customers, uh, you do face some resistance on the membership fees and, and that upfront fee feels can feel like a lot in the beginning right that yearly fee and and you get the literature on you know you're gonna it's gonna you're gonna get a payback on this uh you know in terms of savings and then some of the cash rewards they have um uh, going back to customers but initially you really feel that pain and that price point right and and when we have discussions about affordability and and grocery uh, it's obviously a big issue when we're, you know, it's one thing to talk about the middle class and then it's another thing to talk about people that are on, operating on lower wages. So that it makes that debate around uh, upfront costs tough. But at the same time, over a period of years, I just, you know, speaking personally, I don't actually feel that uh, that membership fee anymore. Um, so, you know, I've, I've, <laughs> I've been successfully retrained on that, on the, on that point, Derek, which is, which is interesting that you, I mean, you brought that up in the beginning around, around one of the reasons why they were actually able to, you know, keep both wages high, but also, uh, but also keep costs low for, con- for consumers. And I know other people who've done that and they won't buy a membership fee for that. They've, that's their, their principle on it. They think it's wrong, but I, I have a friend who basically, you know, didn't have a membership fee for a long time, but I always had to buy a, a kitty litter for them. And ultimately they decided basically to get a Costco membership. Cause even after the membership over the course of the year, just buying kitty litter would almost pay for itself. That the price was just so much cheaper based on the quantity that they could buy and, and all those, those things so that it works its, its way in that you still get the savings and then because of, the, I mean, they they also, in buying in bulk, we store most of their inventory in that we buy months of, you know, or weeks of things in advance as opposed to weekly for some of their goods. Um, and that allows them to turn their inventory kind of almost 14 times a year versus, you know, a grocery store of kind of seven to nine. And that's a pretty high number. Uh, I mean, they normally get paid for the goods in their store before they actually have to pay their supplier. So there's a lot of things that just make them work really efficiently and put their cash to really good use. Right. And then on certain and, and on another, uh, re- retraining the customer, <laughs> my, my, that, that train of thought and relating to that is we, you, people just get kind of used to, I can get only one or two different kinds of ketchup 
or, you know, I can yep. get certain things here, but I can't get other things. And then I'm going to have to go to Sobeys or I'm going to have to go to Superstore to get those things because of the inventory in Costco is, is based on, on volume and price for what they can get. And the same thing around, you just, I mean, they retrained me on my, my coffee choice, Derek, because oh, I, no. get, I just got so, I, I, <laughs> I became, I became a bulk, uh, you know, consumer of, 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 of Starbucks dark roast. Largely because I could, you know, for the price point, I could get it for there. So, I mean, but I, so there is that kind of retraining of the customer um, on, on that, that I don't know if it's, it's deliberate, but it certainly does have that impact over time. Yeah. And you just get used to, and they, in, you know, in, in reading up on them and trying to get some details, they, they make those decisions. They know that they're not going to get everyone to buy everything from them, but they're okay with that. Knowing that if you come in for 10 to 15 items, you're going to buy five you didn't plan for. And on all of those, they, they have it set that they're going to make what they consider to be a fair return on that. And you can go elsewhere to get those other things. And the challenge is they, you know, is with any corporation that wants to keep growing and keep on making money is sometimes you start to make decisions that might take you with a bit a bit away from that, what made you super successful. I don't think they're there yet, but they really sort of, you know, have set it up if you want a smaller bottle of Advil or you don't want to get, you know, your whole summer's worth of suntan lotion or 19 bottles of polysporin or whatever it is, um, then, you know, go elsewhere. But that works for a great many people and especially their their target master target market of, of consumers. The effect of, the, of, of this is uh, higher paid, happier people who stay around longer, right? And in, in, in terms of, of the staffing of these of the Costco's. Yeah, I mean, their um, staff turnover is way lower than uh, most other competitors in terms of there is, you know, it's I think it's 20% of, of lower in terms of some of the, the, the information that I found. Um, they, which means that they're not kind of having to hire people, uh, train them. Uh, when they do hire people, they try to cross train them, do a whole bunch of things, um, and all of that stuff in terms of make people happy to stay there uh, with a higher wage and a better chance to be internally promoted just keeps to makes for a happier staff um, overall, uh, which contributes, um, you know, to that philosophy. Right. In, ter- in terms of, you know, the takeaways from this, because I do know that, you know, from from covering uh, what the other chains are going through and 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 the rollbacks that they've they've now made i do you know even when you you see when even when the union spokespeople uh talk about the rollbacks at, at the bigger stores um you know the sobies and the, and the atlantic superstores of the world it, the, the criticism seems to be mostly around that it happened too soon uh as opposed to you know my thought of you know why why can't we make it more permanent like like a costco um so that we do see uh, you know, people's wages approach something more of a, of a living wage situation, you know, and especially in expensive jurisdictions, like the expensive Halifax is becoming a more expensive place to live. Right. And, and so are the other Atlantic Canadian cities where these, where these, you know, Costco's exist. And so the other stores in, in your mind, are there, are there any, like, are there takeaways from this or are there things that, 
the other chains could be doing to put more of a premium on higher waged, you know, people and then therefore more happier, long-term stable employees? Or is this just a unique situation in which because of the structure of Costco with its membership and, and its approach to, approach to slump supply chain management, they can just, they can be, they can more effectively, um, you know, pay higher wages and, and keep people more engaged. I mean, that's, you know, that's not an easy um, question in some sense. I think that there are ways to improve the wages uh, within uh, retail, which has, um, as with most food sector um, uh, industry, wages are comparatively low. Uh, They need more assistance, uh, a lot of part-time work. But that requires like a whole rethink to some extent of how they, you know, do business and how they're evaluated. Um, so, I mean, at the core, and some of the older stuff, and I think that the Costco CEO pay is, has gone up, but, you know, there are original reports, uh, early 2000s, I believe that, you know, there was sort of demands to pay the CEO more and he wanted a reasonable salary. And I think it was 650,000 US plus stock bonuses and all that stuff. So it was very well remunerated. But there was sort of an idea of of going, I want to be paid fairly and I want the system to benefit and everyone to kind of share in the in that in that growth. So it wasn't about maximizing uh, profit. Um, they want to keep prices where they make a kind of a reasonable return across the board and then sort of kept a reasonable salary. And so whereas other grocery firms, to some extent, take a much more profit maximization mentality, and the moment you start to do that, because employees cost so much money, there's a tendency to think of them as a cost. And that's a hard thing to change. And it's a very difficult thing to change because you want to, you know, cut costs. Um, I think Home Depot is a good example of a company that once had great customer service. And I think that they still do. But at one point they changed CEOs and they kind of got away and went to a, you know, a cheaper model, more part-time employees and lost kind of that relationship. And so there's a tendency in almost any takeover or any change organization to appease the market and say, well, how do we make our stock price worth more is that we can cut costs. And what's the easiest way to cut costs is, is by doing it with people. And Costco has resisted that and they've resisted to some extent maximizing the salaries of uh, CEOs, which tend to be not after options, but at the bet go a little bit less than their competitors. And so they've created a sort of that that partnership that sticks pretty close to that core mission of treat those customers well, take care of your employees, partner with suppliers so that everyone benefits within that system. And so that would be a very big change for other um, grocers uh, to compete with, which is also complicated by the fact that, you know, Costco's customers tend to be more affluent, uh, better paid. Um, can buy in bulk. So we have a car, we can store all that extra stuff. Uh, So the number of seniors living alone, you know, are underrepresented at Costco. 
And so they serve a market that can actually pay that extra that they get a lot of the premium shoppers shopping there for value, leaving kind of um, other players in the industry um, in a much more competitive, very price sensitive uh, marketplace, which, you know, once again, encourage them to think of kind of labor as, as, as a cost to be reduced where possible. Right. And in, in some ways, it, it leaves, it leaves the, the sort of Costco's of the world closer to the experience that you have with your, with your small grocer, where you do have that uh, more personal experience, uh, you know, in, in those really small shops, you, you, you end up feeling, you end up feeling better cared for in, in, in a Costco in the same way you feel, you know, well cared for in it, you know, at, at your local grocer. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I think that what you feel is, is even though there's lots of people in the Costco that, that there is a sense that somehow the employees are happier, the greeters are smiling. There seems to be a different ambiance shopping at Costco than as compared to kind of uh, your standard big grocer, be it Sobeys or Atlantic Superstore, which has some similarities uh, with kind of the more local grocery store, you know, the community grocery store, with the exception that your bill tends to be a lot, lot bigger, as you and I both know, when you go to Costco. <laughs> yeah, no, it, but I always, I mean, in, in these kinds of conversations I have, uh, you know, with people, um, you know, just friends and, and, and family, I always like to emphasize that because I always, like Derek, and I don't know about you, but I always have the, that little sensitivity of, you know, of, I, there's still, even though my friend told me way, way back, um, Mark, you know, drop your hangups, go to Costco. Uh, people are paid well. The customer experience is good. Get over yourself. There's, I always feel like adding in those caveats around, you know, Costco is a little bit like, well, in my, in, in terms of attitude, it's a little bit like my small grocer. Cause I, I'm always leery. I'm still, there's still that part of me that's leery of, of, you know, overselling the experience of, of a big box store over, over my local um, smaller store because I still get that great experience. So I always find myself like, you know, over explaining, um, that, that, that side of it, because there still is that little part of me, Derek, that feels a little guilty about feeling good about that experience. Well, and that's, I mean, I, yeah. And, and it's when you go into a Costco and feeling a bit guilty, it's, it's probably, um, you know, it's probably okay in that there are some things about any sort of, you know, big shopping establishment outside of a city and, you know, the amount it takes to drive and, and those types of things that are, that is not as preferable as communities where you can get everything without getting in your car. But having said that, that idea of sort of the living wage as from the get go, they have kind of take care of their employees and gave them a reasonable wage and kind of, you know, any, system that uh, economic system that we have has to find a way to do that better. And, and I think in going forward, Costco is, you know, well positioned in that as there's increased pressure for something like the living wage and that, that talk about that in, in terms of, of organizations and do they pay a living wage, that upward pressure puts Costco in a good place because they have a lot more room to maneuver around that. Whereas everywhere else, it has a lot bigger impact right away on the bottom line. And so I think they're in a good position for that. And, and that's what makes them, um, you know, your friends not alone and calling them a socially responsible 
company for that that reason. There's others that have won. If you look historically, that's what they've done. And and at the at the get go, allowing us all to make better choices about where we buy things and how we buy having a living wage allows us a little bit more choice and there's more than the market for making those things but it's still a it's still a very positive thing that they have and it's supported by a system that they um that they do things you know that constantly keeps you know taking care of customers taking care of employees and making it a a valuable um relationship with suppliers all right, Derek. Well, thanks a lot for this chat. Is is there anything that um, that we haven't talked about? Do you think we should cover? Uh, no, I, I I think that we've covered the the basis of it. I do think that you know there's other companies that that a challenge for companies is not just simply increasing the wages, but they have to do a lot of work about rethinking how they operate. Um, and that's not an easy thing. A lot of them don't believe you can pay people more, and then those that do you know, try one thing and then you've really got to work hard at, you know, overtaking your whole kind of, you know, approach to the the business. And, and many companies aren't willing to put in the time and effort to do that, but Costco has done it and they've been doing it for a long time and, uh, and they look well positioned, you know, to keep going into the, the future. All right. Well, thanks very much, Derek. And I, I'm going to let you uh, go enjoy the beach now. All right. That sounds very good. Hopefully you can get um, out of the office as, uh, as soon as possible. You've been listening to episode 10 of Huddle Home Office. And thank you very much, Derek. And thank you, Trevor, for those great conversations. The Huddle Home Office is produced by me, Mark Legier, Sharice Letson, and Tyler McLean. And you can find this episode and past episodes of Huddle Home Office on your favorite podcast platform, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Play. Thank you very much for tuning in, and we will talk to you next week.